Welcome to the Lens Podcast, where we talk about current events, news, family, church, and life from a biblical worldview. We want to help people think about these things through the lens of the Bible. I'm your producer, David Wiseman, and here are your hosts, Brian and Brian. Hey, welcome to the Lens Podcast. My name is Brian Hanson. And I'm Brian Solomon. Thanks for joining us today. And as is our practice for every one of our podcasts, We've got three segments. Segment one is a view of the world where we talk about generally the things that we see in life. Then we move into your place in the world, but considering God's mind on the things that we see. And then finally, we talk about what in the world. It's kind of a potpourri catch-all, kind of a basket of goodness. We kind of talk about our own lives and what's happening there. So, Brian... Take us into a view of the world. A view of the world it is. Here we go. So the topic of the day is how good is good enough? And then we're going to talk later about uh, the characteristics that make a person good, the characteristics of a of a good person. Uh, so a, a view of the world and how good is good enough? Uh, so it, it was interesting, um, Brian, as you know, I, I had the opportunity to be a chaplain of a number of sports teams in the past. And one of them, I'm going to name him, I'm going to name him out. Uh, it was the Dayton gyms. It was a semi-pro hockey team, ice hockey team, uh, that was in Dayton, Ohio and, uh, owned by a good friend of mine. And, uh, so the very first meeting that we had, uh, I wasn't a professional at this thing. This was just kind of a new gig to me. We're all sitting up in the very nice lobby. I brought some lunch for the guys. I mean, a semi-pro, so everybody thinks that they have money running out of their ears, but not in the semi-pros. So I, I, I brought some food in, and we're sitting around the ping-pong table in, in, the, uh, in the lounge for the guys, and uh, uh, I didn't know where to start. So I just said, hey, uh, I wonder how many of you are going to heaven when you die? And I looked around, and they all raised out of the 19 guys on the team, 12 of them were sitting around this table, which is just unheard of, especially in the hockey uh, realm. And They're so a different breed. They are a different breed. And just a rabbit trail, I tell people, you know, in the NFL, there's a really good God culture. In the NBA, a pretty good God culture. In baseball, a really good God culture. In ice hockey, <laughs> it's non-existent, right? Non-existent. So anyway, all these guys raised their hand, and I was like, "You really? Wow, this is great." So my, I followed up with this question: Well, I wonder why do you believe that you're going to heaven when you die? And let's start with you. And uh, and it was like all of a sudden everything goes silent. They're like, "He's going to put me on the spot," you know. <laughs> and so the first guy, he's like, uh, "Well, you know, I, I went to parochial school till I was in like fourth grade and." And the uh, next guy was, well, you know, we attended church till I was in like fourth or fifth grade. And then the, the travel team started. And um, and then one guy kind of sitting across from me, he, he you know, he's just the nicest guy. And he kind of shrugs his shoulders and sinks his head. And he says, well, you know, I, he's looking around. He's like, I, I really am the nicest person I know. And they're like, <laughs> you're what? I mean, they came down on him hard. And then the last guy, he was the uh, he was the goalie of the team. And, and again, these are all educated guys. Most of them went to college on scholarships, you know, and they're sitting around this table. So the goalie of the team, he says, well, you know, I'm dating a girl right now. And her parents, they occasionally attend church. So I'm probably in. 
And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. All these guys. They, they, I, so I said, would you like to know what the Bible says about how a person can know they're going to heaven when they die? And they're like, yeah, yeah. you know." But it was just so interesting to me about if, if you boil it down, you put somebody on the spot. Like uh, at the end of the day, do you think you're good enough? Everybody kind of looks at the person next to him and they're like, well, I'm looking at him. Yeah, I think I'm probably good because he thinks he's going to heaven. I'm pretty sure I'm going to heaven, you know. <laughs> but what if that person isn't going to heaven? So the, the the question is, how good is good enough, Brian? Yeah, and so that that's actually the title of a, a booklet that we used to use at our church, an evangelistic tool, and the, and the book was titled, Since Nobody's Perfect, How Good is Good Enough? And the whole thrust of the booklet was to get a person to consider one, uh, what is life going to be like beyond this life, uh, beyond the grave? Is there something else out there? And and a lot of people would say, yes, there is. I just don't know what it is, but there is something. I, I believe in the concept of heaven and, and good people go to that good place when they die. But it begs the question, well, how good do you have to be to go to that good place when you die? And that's where the conclusion, uh, or excuse me, the, the, uh, uh, the confusion uh, comes in. A, a neat thing about that little booklet is that they had this, uh, this picture of this house of cards on the front cover. And I'm looking at the, the question, uh, since nobody's perfect, how good is good enough? And then you have this house of cards built in uh, behind that. Well, a person who bases their salvation or their eternal destination on their own goodness or a version of somebody's goodness is really building their eternal destination on a house of cards that's fragile and thin to say, say the least. And so uh, what we want to do in our podcast today is really think through this question of how good is good enough. Yeah. But think through it rightly. Yeah. And, and ju- just to this point, you know, this isn't a topic that nobody has ever addressed before. I mean, a lot of people do address it. Uh, and, and a lot of ministries address it. And I, I think there's a lot of pastors that have touched on this too. And if I can just use uh, our we're, we're going to be using as a platform for this discussion today a Bible study that our boss, Ralph Drollinger, put together. And he kind of uses this illustration. I, I like it because I like sugar. Uh, but it, it's, it's a pretty good illustration where, he, you, you know, there... There's a difference in taste between the old classic Coke and a new Coke that oh, we have today. so right? different. And the basic ingredient that is different is the sweeteners that are used. You know, it used to use really... <laughs> Real uh, cane sugar. Absolutely, absolutely. And now they use all, you know, saccharin or whatever it is that they, they put in there. And so uh, he makes the point that, listen, if we're going to talk about what makes a person good enough, wh- what is... What, what is the foundation of being good enough for eternity with God? We, we look at this, you know, there's different pastors without naming any of them, but they're like, no matter, it seems like no matter what passage of scripture they come to, it all lands on, oh, just be a good person. Be the You're best gonna, version of yourself. Oh, absolutely. Your best life now. That's right. Without naming any names. So, uh, although we'd like to, (laughs) so, so he, he would, um, he would say, listen, that's all potpourri kind of sugar. That's all artificial sugar, but we, we got to come back and what is the pure basis of our foundation that we, we make things on. And uh, obviously that's going to be the word of God, right? That's right. So that takes us into your place in the world. 
So the Bible speaks of at least five biblical characteristics that define a good person. And so uh, at the risk of sounding like we're beating this dead horse, uh, we're going to continue on beating this horse. And so to to qualify or to uh, clean up what we mean by good uh, as it relates to defining a good person, I think it's good for us to think through a couple of disclaimer statements, and and uh, we'll use the scriptures to lay a baseline for this disclaimer. You know, the Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans chapter 3 is super helpful in helping us understand that. Uh, there's none righteous, no, not one. Nobody does good because there is no good in that person. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, there is nothing inherently good in us. The Bible says that we have a sin nature, and that sin nature is defined in the Bible as, as uh, it makes us enemies of God. And yet God is, is rich in grace and mercy and has sent his son Jesus to be the propitiation of our sins. He's redeemed us. He's reconciled us. He's saved us. And when a person repents of their sin and embraces Jesus by faith, the Bible says that they are new creatures in Christ. And in Christ, we can be good. And so these qualifications or characteristics of what uh, marks a person as being good isn't because they're good in and of themselves. This is the fruit of what God is doing in their life. This is what emanates out of a life that is ordered after God. And so, Brian, we've we got five things that we want to hit on here today, five biblical characteristics that define a good person. Take us in there. All right. So let's look at the first characteristic. The first characteristic that defines a good person is that he relishes God's ways. The first one is he relishes God's ways. So, you know, you can look at the... Uh, um, a backslider, according to Proverbs chapter 14, the backslider in his heart, he says, will have his fill of his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied with his. And so when we're, when we're talking about um, uh, what, what makes a, uh, a, a, a good person, he relishes godly ways. So a person can live their whole life trying to do good things, but if the God aspect of that is void in their lives. We have a real problem there. And th that person has a real problem. Um, so when he says, when he says he who habitually and willfully sins will have his fill of his own ways. And you know, Brian, uh, we, we, we can talk to this and we, everybody who's listening to this knows when you try to fill the void of goodness in your life based on the things that you do, it seems that your tank always comes up empty, doesn't it? And, um, and so he says here in contrast to having the fill of his own ways, he says a good man is filled by sowing over a lifetime pleasing to the Lord. And it really goes antithetical to what the world would tell us, where it's like, no, you have to have, you have to do this to have satisfaction. You have to look this way to have satisfaction. You have to, you know, go to these places to have satisfaction. You have to have fun to have satisfaction. And the Bible kind of gives the antithetical viewpoint that says, no, no, you can do all those things, and those are okay, maybe, but that's not where you find fulfillment. You find fulfillment in following the Lord. Yeah, right. the, the old Westminster Catechism of years gone by says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. 
I love what Piper does with that catechism. He says in his book, uh, Desiring God for the Chief End of Man is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. And so God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. And so that flows right out of, I think, what Paul was talking about in Galatians 5, that if we walk by the Spirit, uh, we will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh... Uh, is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit contrary to the flesh. And so what are those fruits of the Spirit? Well, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Each one of those characteristics yields that kind of satisfaction that you're talking about, Brian, and it really takes root in the heart of a really good man or woman. So the first characteristic that defines a good person is that he relishes God's way. The next one is that he desires to help the poor. You know, Jesus says that the poor will always be with us. And there's a lot of discussion inside the church and outside the church of how do we best combat the issue of poverty? What do we do with homelessness? Homelessness uh, seems to be a thing that's plaguing urban city, city centers across the country, but how should a Christian think about um, uh, maybe helping the poor? Well, if a person is mindful of helping the poor, it's usually an indication of God-born goodness. Yeah, yeah, and so given the many um, legislative uh, attempts to help the poor and to come come alongside them and to fix this problem, it seems to be. It, you can look around our country. Let's take a look at Chicago. Let's take a look at San Francisco. Let's take a look at what's going on in Philadelphia. Seattle. Where they, Seattle, yeah. A, a lot of the major cities where they have poured millions and millions and millions of dollars into these, these problems only to find that the problems are getting worse. Mm-hmm. Homelessness is getting worse. Drug addiction is getting worse. Uh, I think it was you that showed me a video not long ago of a major city where people are walking around as if they're zombies just because of the drugs that they're on and things. And so you you come to people of the poor and and you're you know there's so many of them we can tire of it we can be like oh forget it they're always you know we're always going to have poor let's just get on with life and do what we do. But what he's saying here is given the, the, the many the decisions that are made regarding poor people combined with the ri- widespread biblical nia- uh, naivete on the subject of poverty, the issue is worthy of spending some time on it. And, and uh, scripture talks about how a good man best helps and is gracious to a poor man. And so uh, he, he, he talks here about the poor and, and uh, our desire to change their, their state in life. You know, I, I remember when I was a boy, uh, I was certainly in elementary school. Uh, I was walking um, with my dad to get something to eat, and uh, it was a Burger King, and we saw a homeless guy out there, and he, he asked my dad for some money. Uh, so that he could get something to eat. But my dad, being wise and uh, uh, kind of up to the to the scheme, uh, you know, guy was obviously drunk. He's like, well, you know, what are you going to use the money for now? He's like, oh, I, you know, I need to grab a burger. My dad wasn't convinced. So my dad said, and just, I, you know, I was probably five or six years old, but I remember because I was scared to death. Um, I bet my dad said, well, we're going into Burger King here. Why don't you just come on in with us? I'll, I'll buy you something to eat. And the guy was like, no, you know, I'll just take the money. No, come on, I'll, I'll buy it. You can sit with us and talk. 
No, thanks. And he walked away. Well, you know, it's, it's that attitude. It's, it's because you see so much of that. You're like, you, you grow weary of helping them because you're not sure what they're going to do with the help. That Am you I give. going to be taken for a ride? Is this yeah. legit? So forth and so on. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, and that's a tough needle to thread. Hey, for our listeners, uh, we'll, we'll provide a link to this uh, particular Bible study in our, uh, uh, episode notes uh, or the description box below. There's uh, some neat things that Ralph teases out in this Bible study that will help you press into this topic further. But but thinking about uh, this good person, they at least have a desire to help the poor yeah. and not just to yeah. um, expand their own personal portfolio. That's right. Third, a good person is defined by the scriptures as one who has godly influence on other people. This third characteristic of what the Bible describes as a good person, it's one who has a godly influence on others. And Proverbs 13.22 says that a, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of a sinner is stored up for the righteous. And so there's a, there's a sense in which um, we've, we've got to think about our influence in a generational sense. What kind of legacy are we leaving behind? Who are we uh, influencing for good? And not just our own legacy, but the legacy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, this person who is marked by the Bible as being good has a godly influence on others. Yeah. So to sum this up, uh, the, the, the sum total of a good man ends up contributing to the needs of many others. And for the most part, uh, herein is the measurement of how good a person you really are. Uh, he's a godly influence on other people. You know, you're an influence on other people. I don't care who you are, or what you do. You are an influence. The question is, what kind of influence are you going to be, right? And so this says that you are a godly influence on others. That's right. So let's look at the uh, at, at the fourth characteristic of a of a good person, and and that is he chooses godly friends. He chooses godly friends. You know, this is one that I have uh, I have used so often in my counseling. I can tell a lot about a person by the by the people that they run with. Now, you can't tell everything about a person because maybe they are a good influencer. But wh- the question is, why are you hanging around those people, and what what do they uh, what impact do they have on you? Proverbs chapter two verse twenty says, "So you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths." Of righteous, who do you walk with? Who are you riding with? Who are you hanging with? Who are you talking with? Because that is going to influence the way that you think, therefore the way you talk, therefore the way you act, the way the places that you go. Um, you choose godly friends. Yeah, and so those godly friends uh, do have an impact. Uh, Brian, you and I have a have a friend uh, in ministry. His name is Scott Bruns, and every time I'm around Scott, Scott is is uh, just sharing with me in, uh, in, in a sense that uh, uh, it's, it's like the overflow of what's coming out of his mind and his heart, things that he's learning in Scripture and what he's being impacted by. And it, it's like, man, I, I could hang out with Scott all day long because there's just good coming out of not his own goodness, but uh, things from Scripture that's having an impact on him. And what is what would be the overflow from him Boy, I'm I'm really benefiting from that, and so yeah, uh, those it's it's important not just for teenagers to have good godly friendships. This is a a lifelong uh, skill 
or something to be mindful for mindful of for even adults. And just let me jump in there real quick. And and what is the test of a good friendship? Just let, let me say this: if if you're if you're around people and you want to make a change in your life in a certain area that typically would would uh, not conform to the the basis of the friendships that you have, and if you go to those friends and you say, uh, "Hey, you know what? I've been reading or thinking or praying about and." I'm going to work on this specific area of my life here. Okay. Hang on this question. Okay. Uh, th- this is, this is going to be very telling of the friendships that you have. If they come back and their response to, to you is, ah, don't worry about that, man. Come on. Let's just keep doing you know, whatever. Um, if, if their response is anything less than, uh, Hey, that's great. I'll help you out in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then maybe they're not the friend that you really thought that they were. On the other hand, if they come back and say, that's powerful, that's me. Hey, if that's important to you, it's important to me. Yeah. I'm going to help you get there. Then you have a friend that's closer than a brother. That's right. So that's a good indicator. Yep. Hey, next, uh, or finally, I should say, is uh, a good person that's marked by the Bible as being good is the recipient of God's favor or godly favor. Proverbs 12, 2 says that a good man will obtain favor from the Lord, but he will condemn a man who devises evil. And so th- this proverb essentially is underscores the, the introduction that we were talking about there. Um, since goodness is a fruit of the spirit, the good man is synonymous with the one who possesses within him the Holy Spirit. And so someone who's truly saved has the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and is therefore producing the fruits of that spirit. And because they're producing the fruits of that spirit, you can see that God is actually uh, uh, um, blessing them. That and, and I don't mean by that financially, like they have a mansion on a hilltop or whatever, but you can see the indicators that God is actually leading somebody, right? That he, That's right that his blessing is resting upon them. And so if a person, to your point about they they do exemplify the fruit of the Spirit, uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, patience, if they have those, God is going to show his favor upon them and that it's going to be obvious that he is leading them. You want to you want to be with that kind of person. Uh, you want to be that kind of person. You want to be the recipient of, of godly favor. That's right. So just to recap, five marks of a good person as described by the Bible. It's a person who relishes godly ways. Secondly, he desires to help the poor. Third, he's a godly influence on others. Fourth, he chooses godly friends. And finally, he's the recipient of godly favor. Friends, pursue goodness, but not in and of your own self, but the kind of goodness that emanates um, by way of a life that's been captured by Jesus Christ, that's embraced him by faith, uh, that you've trusted personally in the in the uh, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's right. You've placed your faith in him, and you've decided to order the steps of your life around that essential truth. And so uh, you don't bring any good to the table, neither do I, but Jesus certainly does produce it in me. Well said. So, hey— 
That takes us into our final segment. What in the world? So, Brian, uh, uh, we always kind of try to end on a note of, you know, just a personal uh, basis here. What'd you do this weekend? Anything big? Man, we we did. So we wrapped up uh, softball. So softball is done. Uh, and then we had a big uh, conference championship track meet. And you want to brag on your girls a little bit? I do bit? want to brag on my girls. So so six events that uh, Mia and Claire uh, were involved in. And uh, Mia placed third place in the shot put and third place in the discus. Uh, her shot put uh, broke the school record that she wow. broke uh, two times earlier this season <laughs> and uh, and puts her with – she's a seventh grader. Wow. And so that puts her within four feet of the high school record. Uh, so she's just uh, oh really my. excelling there. So she took third overall in shot and third overall in discus. But then the funny thing is – she had to fill in in the four by 100 relay. Now, Mia doesn't run. Well, the only only time she does run is from the living room to the kitchen. And so <laughs> oh, to the what? fridge, you know, and she's by the time she gets back to the couch, she's out of breath. And so <laughs> Mia, I'm so, in your corner here. You're OK. <laughs> so so uh, the, we had an injured runner and Mia had to fill in. And uh, and so our our daughter, Claire, she's the speedster in the family. And so Mia, she's running the, the third leg in the relay, and she's in first place when she gets the baton. Wow. She held her own, and uh, she passed the baton to Claire. Claire was in second place when Claire got the baton. Claire took off, and they won first place in the 4 by 100 So six events. Mia placed third uh, twice, first in the relay, Claire placed first in the relay, uh, second in the 100 meter dash, and first in the second uh, oh, in the two, in the 200 meter dash. So, so that was big. And then we had our uh, spring concert where Claire plays the cello. So she had a solo in the thing, and Mia sang, and all of that was going on. So it was a busy, busy weekend. And then Mother's Day hit yesterday. Oh, so, yeah. so uh, grilled some steaks for Mama. And uh, she deserved more than what we gave her, but uh, we love love Naomi and what she does to our to our family for our family, and uh, we just kind of had a a nice family day yesterday. So it was an exhausting weekend. It was good, and I'm glad the work week is here. <laughs> <laughs> well, for for us, uh, my family, uh, we um, we had our boss Ralph Drellinger come into town. We did a big uh, video shoot of him all weekend. He was on the entire time, and uh, hopefully, from time to time, we'll be able to maybe take some excerpts, and you'll be able to view some of that stuff. It's gold. It is really gold in um, uh, why we do our ministry, the vision of our ministry, and the meat of our ministry, and then. Um, uh, Three of our four kids were in town this weekend, and they uh, they all made a Mother's Day lunch for Mama, uh, and it was it was spectacular. And then just something cool, um, uh, my wife Mandy, uh, years ago when she was in seventh grade, she had a best friend, and the movie Grease came out when they were in seventh grade. <laughs> my my wife's parents they didn't care, but my uh, my. Uh, her 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 best friend's parents really had you know they had to wrestle with whether they should let him go watch Oy, Greece because yeah. that was kind of a big thing. So they did, but they they went together as seventh graders, best friends, and then Greece just came out this weekend in the theaters, re released, a re release, yeah. And uh, so a couple months ago, they heard that it was coming out. They 
plan to go uh, watch this thing together. So they reunite. Her friend lives in Kentucky. Of course, we live in Ohio. So they met in Cincinnati. And the, Super fun. the two seventh graders had a reunion and watched their the movie that was so scandalous of its time, you know, <laughs> and they had a great time. So... Hey, that uh, that wraps up our time here for the Lens Podcast for this week. We're glad that you tune in and listen to us. We really appreciate your presence. And so this is the Lens. We'll see you again next time. Bye.